0: In a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So, dating apps. I know Valentine's Day is coming up and usually they're running a special on match and different things. I'm not looking for recommendations for a a good one for myself, just for the record. Um, But I have nothing against dating apps. I'm very pro dating apps, at least most of them. Um, There's a few that I'm not a big fan of for obvious reasons, Um, but I... I love them because I've met wonderful couples that have met on them, I've married some of them, I've done premarital with them. Dating apps are such an incredible gift in today's time for people learning um, or wanting to date that may be busy and all and all of that. But I was on Match, a very short stint last week, no, just kidding, um, <laughs> about 11 years ago, I wanna say. And I was just really fascinated by the process. Um, because I always was curious of what pictures they were going to choose to put to feature themselves, right? And so there was a few, um, you know, I had some criteria. If they had this kind of picture, they were out, right? So number one was if they posted a picture of themselves with their shirt off in front of a mirror with their cell phone out. Um, If they were... um, no offense, if they were like in their car or sitting on the hood of their car, out. Uh, um, If all of their pictures were just like of themselves, like especially a selfie, I was like, I don't think you have friends, so I'm not going to seek that out. However, if they had really funny pictures of themselves, like a horrible bad selfie, then I was like, yes, I want to get to know this person for sure. But what was was really interesting is that often, you know, you you look at these pictures of You know, I'd be looking at these pictures of these guys and then reading what they wanted. And often they would say things like, you know, I I really love family. I love hanging out with friends or I love to travel. And then none of their pictures reflected that. And I was like, well, I'm kind of seeing a disconnect. I don't see how um, you actually are into those things because nothing reflects that. And so I started to look at um, all the different qualities and and the pictures and realize, gosh, everything that they're highlighting is, is temporary. It's kind of useless. They're not really looking for the long run. And I was looking for a, you know, a relationship. I was looking for love and I was realizing, gosh, so many of these are not long lasting because really they were about themselves and highlighting themselves. And I wasn't looking for, um, a nice car. I wasn't looking for a six pack. I wasn't looking for a nice bicep. I wasn't looking for any of that. I was looking for love. And so I've, Thinking about those days, um, looking at dating apps and all that, and looking at the scripture about love and thinking, gosh, love is so much bigger than often those pictures, what they highlighted. And so I started thinking, okay, what what can I say about this scripture that is so common and, and, you know, we hear it a lot, and it's just, you know, we're talking about love, and it seems kind of simple. But for some reason... I started thinking about love in the context of leadership, which I know is kind of a far jump from dating apps but that 's where kind of the spirit took me this week and I started thinking about how as leaders how we can exemplify love more and so the scripture started to change for me because I think as Christians we should be leaders we're called to be leaders we 're called to be example we're we're supposed to be exemplifying the best qualities of human, the human race, and we don't often. In fact, for a while, I feel like we've really been failing at that. And so I started thinking about um, in church how we can sometimes become so obsessed with being leaders and being such an example that if you don't fit the criteria, if you don't measure up, then you don't fit in. And so we create outsiders. And so how can we start to be leaders that really encompass everyone and how we can uplift everyone? How can we really live into this scripture found in 1 Corinthians 13? Because Paul is very clear that love should be what motivates us, should be the anger, should be behind every single decision, everything we do. Love is what needs to be carrying us. So if you've been here the last couple of weeks, Scott talked about a couple of things about why Paul is having to really lay out this basic thing about you need to be loving. It's because in Corinth, it was this competitive kind of city. People were always trying to um, outrank one another and prove that they were more holy or had more authority, whether it was based on who baptized them, who taught them. You know, they were, they were all about bragging. Scott talked about how everyone was kind of a one-upper, like, oh, you did this, well, I did that. And sometimes I feel like in church we can be like that. Again, kind of creating this outsider sort of thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever talked about if you've been on a mission trip and you went somewhere, let's say you went somewhere local, which is still incredible work. And you could say, Oh, yeah, I did a mission trip and let's say I did hurricane relief, and then someone's like, Well, I went to Africa. You're like, Okay. Um, apparently. You can't be a real Christian until you go to Africa. Apparently, that's the like, ongoing narrative. And so, again, we have this problem in the church of trying to really just one-up one another all the time and not uplift and be about one another and really just being loving. And so, right in the beginning, that first verse, it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So I think Paul, right here, Paul's talking, okay, being able to to speak in tongues and have prophecy and all this stuff, that's that was such a respected gift. So in today's terms, if you were very well-versed, well articulated, a great public speaker, maybe you spoke, maybe you speak multiple languages, all of that, you would be really looked upon with high respect, right? We really look at those people like, oh my gosh, they they really got it. And Paul says, "That's great, but that's, that's nothing. It's really not. You can do all those things, but if you don't have love, if you don't have passion, belief, but most importantly, love, then it's really nothing." And the gift of prophecy was something that was um, in the Old Testament, those people weren't, you know, the most favored, but to be able to be a prophet was really incredible, because you could see things that no one else could. God was giving you something that no one else had. You could look at a situation, you could look beyond, you could look years ahead and and know how things were gonna play out. And you've probably been around someone like that before that is just a visionary, really. They can look at a problem and figure it out. They know the game plan. Maybe if they're leading a company or whatever, they can see what's gonna happen in five years or 10 years and they know exactly what kind of metrics, they know exactly what goals they need to set. It's an, a really incredible gift, and, and Paul is saying, that's great. But if you do that and don't have love, it's nothing. And we know what it's like to meet someone that is, has those gifts, but if they're corrupt, rude, have a temper, take credit for what isn't theirs, who cares? Who cares if they have a Harvard business degree or a Rhodes Scholar or started Google? I know for me personally, I don't want to follow someone, that it hasn't love, doesn't have love behind him. To make it a little bit more relatable, he talks about this will be an, a noisy gong. And so I thought, what is the most annoying instrument in the world? So just imagine your third grader or fourth grader learning to play the recorder, <laughs> okay? That's how bad it is when we do things without love. It's just that horrible horrible sound. So we really are fighting for our lives, people, okay? But I started thinking again, okay, so we know we got to have love. It's got to carry everything we do. But how do I do that? That seems silly to bring into the workplace. Like, all right, everyone, I'm going to be loving in the workplace now. People be like, cool, that's going to really help our profits. That's fun. It's about how can you bring love into accounting or sales or construction and all that? Well, I want to keep reading. So love is patient. As a leader in whatever capacity you you lead, how are you patient with those you work for, that work for you, that live in your house, that are in the grocery line in front of you, in the car in front of you? How are you living into love by trying to be patient in all you do? When a project is late, when there's a mistake, when your kid is trying to put on their shoes and socks by themselves, when someone is taking way too long in line, are you going to use that time to say, you know what, let me tell you about how high my GPA was in college. Like, no one, no one cares about that. That's not your time to brag. It's not your time to show about how great you are and to make sure they know that they're below you. That time is to be patient with them because love is patient. Love is kind. Do you have any idea how many people I would simply follow if they were just kind to me? Which I was thinking about that, which makes me a prime candidate to fall into a cult, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> because those people can be very kind and very charming at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, you're nice, okay, great. I'll do whatever you're good you're asking me to. But think about it. We know you've had relationships with people that maybe they, or maybe you've worked with people that, you know, Weren't the smartest, weren't the best that they did and all that. But they were kind. And they treated you with respect. And, and you thought, I, I can follow you. I can do what you ask because you treat me with such kindness. I think there is so much power in kindness. It's so much better than the fancy degree on the wall and all of that. And I think as leaders... We need to rise to the occasion and be compassionate, and kind, and caring, and loving because I think the world needs more people like that. Let's move on. In my version, it says, love is not jealous, or boastful, or proud. In some, it says, love does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. Is anyone watching The Bachelor right now? So Scott and I occasionally will dabble in watching The Bachelor. So we're watching it right now. And, oh, my gosh, these girls are so exhausting. But they're amazing. We can't stop watching. And there's this one particular girl, Demi, who's, if you're watching it, oh, my gosh, the producers and what they're writing for her to say. Because, you know, it's all fake. Um, But it's incredible. But what just makes Scott and I laugh so hard is when the girls say something like, well, it's just really hard to see the guy that you're dating with someone else. I'm like, that's the show. Like, did you not know what you were signing up for? Like, yeah, he's going to date 20 girls at one time. Um, and they get so envious and so jealous when one comes from a date, and they're talking about how great their date was, and the others get so mad. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is the show. But it just kind of shows when you get envious and jealous and all that how toxic it truly is. And it really can hinder your ability to love. And I love, um, last week Scott mentioned um, in the verses that he was talking about how as Christians, as a body of Christ, we need to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I thought, yeah, we do. Uh, as leaders, as people, as a body of Christ, we, didn't, we don't need to grow envious or jealous when someone get something great, when they excel. And I felt really convicted because I have felt very envious, very jealous in my life. And maybe you have too. Like when someone gets promoted or gets a raise and you didn't, that's hard. Especially when you've worked really, really hard. Or when someone gets engaged and you're still waiting for that ring. Or when someone gets pregnant and you aren't, it's really, really hard to be loving to people when you feel like, gosh, that should have been me. It's really hard. But I think if you're a good leader, going back to we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn, you should uplift and encourage people and celebrate people, and that is very difficult. That's a big ask. I know that. But one thing that I've really loved hearing from people that have really um, kind of excelled that they say, you know, my goal is to train someone so they can replace me. I'm like, wow, that's like a lot of security. (laughs) Like, I want to not teach people how to do my job, so I have job security. But what kind of uh, leader am I really if I'm being kind of so envious, so insecure that I don't want to give them my time through love by being patient and kind, and really investing in them. And I really love that a leader doesn't boast or isn't proud. Good golly, sign me up again to follow someone like that, who isn't um, always talking about themselves. But what's even better, what I really, really respect, is when someone is very upfront about their failures, difficulties, or shortcomings. So I wanted to share a story about um, a guy I know. He's actually a church member. And his story fascinates me. Because um, he would probably say that he's a redneck. Um, He's like, you know, I was in East Texas. And I grew up in the boonies and stuff. And he is very, very successful. But he's very open. He's like, oh, I I barely graduated high school. Like, I barely graduated high school. And so he... uh, kind of snuck into college, I guess, because again, barely graduated high school. And apparently uh, he, he had to take uh, the remedial classes, like really low tier, I guess there was like levels of them. And he's like, I was on like the worst level of them. And so he was in college for three semesters and he took 12 hours every semester. There were a lot of remedial classes and then a couple criminal justice classes because he wants, he wanted to be a cop. And after three semesters, you know, meeting with advisor and, and check in to see how many credits he has. And like, well, you have 10. And he's like, I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I've been in college for three semesters. I'm like, well, like, yeah, those don't really count. So he's, he's looking. He's like, well, I'm going to be in college for like 15 years, so I'm out. And so he, he dropped out of college. And uh, then he started selling cars and started to do really, really well at it. Very, very well. Ended up being kind of the top salesman. Um, And he said, you know, things are going great. Making lots of money, all of that. But man, the environment was not good. It was pretty toxic. People were greedy. People were envious. People were jealous. There was just, and he's like, and all I could think about, this is not how I want my life to go. This is not how I want, this is not the environment I want to be in. I also want to have a family someday. And I just, I can't be like this. So he quits that, um, no plan, <laughs> and then he starts selling um, insurance door to door. Clearly, he's got salesmanship in him, and he starts doing really well with that. Um, and then, kind of through some things, he kind of inquires a company, and then he's with a guy, and then tries to, and then sells stuff. And you know, he's able to sell things and um, again make money. And then gets scooped up, I, I believe, by another kind of company. And again, being really successful uh, is in Florida. And he is just climbing the ladder and ends up being kind of like the youngest person um, to, to kind of succeed at his level. And then everyone that he's in charge of, the regions that he's in charge of, I mean, everyone is doing well. Everyone is kind of benefiting from his leadership. And um, so I talked to him about this, and, uh, and I've watched him and, and got to know him, and I asked him, you know, what's, what's one thing you really love about what you do? And he said, well, I never wanted to be treated the way that I was treated, kind of back to when he was selling cars and just in that environment. He's like, I never want to treat people like that. I never want to look down upon them think that they can't achieve something. Um, one thing he said, you know, I had a hard time coming to grips with my learning differences, he was like I was dyslexi- had dyslexia and ADD and just you know struggled in school. He's like I love looking at people and saying, "You've got what it takes, you've got what it takes." Um, he and he talked about how he's bought a lot of suits for people because he's like you need a suit. And he talked about you know that can be like the one thing that kind of keeps someone from really like getting to that success because they just don't have the right thing to wear. He's like I love to see people that have that hunger. And that drive. Um, And I think this guy is the kind of person that if he, uh, if someone were to outrank him, that maybe he lifted up, I don't think he'd be envious. I don't think he would be jealous. He would be excited. But the one thing that I love most about um, this guy is that as successful as he has been, he's a really devoted dad and a really devoted husband. And he makes that his party. He he knows that, gosh, this money is great. I'm doing great. But, man, this is where my heart is. And so when I was looking at this scripture, it made me think of him because his leadership, especially the way he treats the people that he works with, he doesn't want anyone to be an outsider. He wants everyone to feel successful. He wants everyone to feel like they matter and they have something to give. And so I love um, verses 4 through 7 that talk, you know, the love is patient, love is kind, but really being together and rejoice, re- rejoicing together. It just reminds you that we are called to be together. That when we're leaders, we want to include everyone. And the church needs to not be a place that is exclusive, but that people can come in and realize that they matter and that love is really spoken. And they feel like, man, no one thinks that they're higher up than one another, that we're all in this together. There's no rank, that we're on level ground, all moving towards the same thing and all doing this with with love. That is this thing that, that carries us through everything. So I think as leaders, we've got to point people to pursuing things like love and kindness from a place of authority. We need to be pushing people to be more patient, more kind. We've got to do that. And so the knowledge, the achievements, the trophies, the degrees, the awards, money, that's useless. That will fade away. I remember there was a commercial a couple years back and I don't even remember who, what company it was but it's, it showed a, a guy leaving work and going like that. And it was like something about be bold and leave at 5 p.m. or something. <laughs> and I loved that. Because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Because in America, obviously, we are overworked. We're tired. Um, the way vacation, Europe has it all figured out with their holidays. They have like eight years of vacation every year, I think. Um, and then maternity and paternity leave. Don't get me started on that. Um, and then just the work balance of being a parent and all of that. I know that we're overworked, but I realized um, that people don't really care if you have a corner office, people don't really care what your title is. I don't think they do. What I think our kids, our spouse, our family and friends, they care about um, can't be found hanging on your wall. It can't be found at the bottom of your email with all your titles and achievements. And it can't be found on your paycheck stub. If you've lost someone, Do you miss their achievements? Do you miss their paycheck? No. You miss them. You miss time with them. You miss everything about them. So can you imagine if we started teaching this to younger generations to pursue things like love, to make sure that is a foundation of what they're doing? I think everyone needs to be investing in someone. I don't care um, if you don't have kids, but... We all know someone that's probably five years younger or 10 or 15, whatever. We need to be investing and asking better questions like, who is your community? Do you have someone to call when you're in an emergency? Have you helped someone out lately? Have you given your time to someone who needed it? Do you have good self-care practices? How are you saying no to things that are really just self-promoting? These are the kinds of challenges we need to give to those younger than we are. Not, what's your game plan to make partner? How are you going to get promotion? How are you going to get the raise? And it's incredibly hard to do that in Dallas, the most competitive, materialistic kind of city I've ever lived in. But I think if we want love to be the thing that is out there in the world more, we got to start changing what we ask and how we live and how we lead. I love that we sing. Um, will they, know, you know, will they know we are Christians by our love? Because wouldn't that be great if that were true again? <laughs> Instead of when someone finds out. I'm a Christian, or especially a pastor, I feel like I immediately have to defend it or um, make an excuse or say something like, Well, I'm not like that. What if we could actually be the kind of people found in this scripture that really give a different kind of love? And that people immediately would say, Yeah, they have to be a Christian. Look at the way that they love. I know this scripture seems at times simple and cheesy, but I hope that you could go back and read it maybe later this week, maybe in six months or however, and just remind yourself, love really is the most important thing. It really is because it does last forever. Let's pray. God, your scripture talks about how you first loved us and that you are love. And we really do need a good example. We do need something foundational to go back to, to revisit because we have sometimes made love very complicated, very messy and made it look like something that really is not love. I pray that we could be kind and patient and that we would not be envious or boastful or proud and that we could also realize that so much of what we cling to that we hold tightly in our fists is really not that important. Help us be good examples. Help us be good leaders. Help us to love one another in a truly trans- transformational and incredible way that leaves people saying, oh, they must be a Christian. They must be a Christian. Mold us, make us better, and lead us. It's your name.